wicked, wicked fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola, come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. And, you know, we all want to plan our life, you know, from the beginning to the end with everything going perfectly every single day. Uh, however, life is not like that. We go through a maze and some of us think that we're the only ones. Uh, my guest today is Janelle Anderson and we're going to talk about, you know, how she plans ahead and does it always work out the way that she would like it to work out? And when it doesn't, you know, how do we get through those bumps and grinds and, um, Recently, I've been dealing with an adult young son who made a move and started a new job, and nothing is the way he thought it was going to be. Um, and every day I get a phone call, everything is perfect, everything is terrible. <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, welcome to the real world. So Janelle, yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, I'm a confidence coach for women entrepreneurs, and I help them build that inner confidence in themselves and what they do and who they are, especially around speaking and getting themselves out there so they can attract their ideal clients and build their business. So uh, I've been doing this for close to eight years, and I'm also an author. I just uh, launched or released my newest book in January of this year. And I, I'm excited that I actually got that done because it took me about four years to write it. Wow. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, an, that's one thing that you have to really be uh, able to put yourself, you know, into the writing mode and get it done. You know, one of those things to keep yourself moving forward. Sure. It was a challenge. And then I'm also a speaker and I am also a mentor coach for my training school. So really loving life and what I do and helping lots of people. So I'm sure when uh, you were growing up, uh, coaching probably was not uh, the career you were going for. In fact, many of us, the only coaches we knew were the baseball coach and the basketball yeah. coach. Um, and, you know, we knew there were mentors out there, but mm -hmm. I always thought the mentor was for somebody who was really special, you know, the smartest kid in the class. And of course that was not me. Um, <laughs> and as a female, I know I grew up, um, with a lot of positive feelings, but I didn't express them because I looked around and I saw everybody else as more successful than me, um, or had 
more support than I did. Mm -hmm. So is that something that you saw as well? Or were you one of the lucky ones? <laughs> no, no, I was one of the normal ones. <laughs> I, I struggled a lot with believing in myself. And for me, it was really around speaking up and feeling like nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. Right. And not feeling confident enough to go for the things I really wanted. I always played small. You know, I always was like, no, I really can't go for that higher degree. I can't go for that bigger salary. I don't deserve it. I'm not good enough. And it really kept me uh, stuck and just like, like I said, playing small my whole life. And it wasn't until my 50s that I realized what I was doing. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> This is really crazy. My life is going by really fast. And why am I not going for it? You have, only have one life to do this stuff. So absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I've been watching a lot of um, history documentaries um, and especially about women. And there were so many um, very successful women from ages back. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you look at them and they they came from absolutely nothing, but they found that, hey, if I mix this ingredient with that ingredient, I come up with this product and I believe in it and I'm going to do it. And they went forward. And yet there's something about growing up in the 50s, 60s and 70s that not that we were entitled, but I think many of us, especially women, um, kept waiting for somebody to acknowledge us because yes. like you said we weren't finding our voice to acknowledge ourselves so what do you think has changed for many of us once we hit 50 and 60 to say whoa mm. it's time for me to do what i want to do exactly i know for me and for many women that i've worked with it it does have a lot to do with you know, you're going through menopause, your kids are growing up and leaving the nest. You've been working a job or a career probably for 20, 30 years, maybe. And you've maybe even reached as far as you can go in that. And you're thinking, well, what else is there? What, what is life all about? You know, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. And especially if you've really been dedicated to raising your family and usually women are nurturers and we're there, the glue in the family, and we're making sure the husband's good and the kids are good and all the bills are being paid and we're doing our part. And then the kids don't need you as much anymore. And you're sitting there going, well, what about me? Who am I anyway? Yeah. Am I really? And so it's, it's very common in that age. Uh, and I think for men too, you know, they start to have that kind of wake up call too, you know, and we begin to question, okay, what have we been doing so far in our life and realizing how fast it goes, right? you know, and oh my gosh, if 50 some years went by that fast, the rest of it's going to go fast. Faster. <laughs> yeah, faster. And that's what happened to me. And I realized I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and think, oh, I should have done this or I could have done this. And this is what I was meant to do, but I didn't because I was afraid or I was trying to please other people or I was on this one path and I thought I couldn't change or whatever the reason, you know, yesterday was my dad's 98th birthday. Wow. Happy yeah. birthday. Wow. Yeah. And he's doing great. He still lives on his own. I mean, he's slowed down a lot and sleeps a lot, but 
he's still with it. He's still, he has all these stories from his life. He's had an amazing life. And I thought about that yesterday. I thought, man, I, I want to get there. I want to be 98 and satisfied that I did everything that I was called to do, meant to do, that I poured out all that I am. My dad is like that. You know, he said, I don't remember ever questioning. I don't remember ever feeling like I couldn't do what I wanted to do or what I was meant to do. I just did it, you know? (laughs) And so that I think is what happens with older people. You know, it's, it's a very common kind of uh, transition in life. And uh, some people wake up and start doing something about it. And some people just kind of slip into this retirement mentality. I'm just going to work until I retire and then I'm just going to retire. And that's fine if that's what they want, you know? So I think the key is to know what it is you really want to do with your life and find a way to do it. Absolutely. You know, um, we do two other podcasts at New Cleveland Radio. One is called The Rant, and it's really about ageism. You know, at 20, everybody says we're too young to do something. Yeah. At 30, well, you know, we're close to the right age. At 40, we're too old. It's like, <laughs> wait a second, where was that age that I was right for this? Um, yeah. And then we get to the 60s and 70s, and there's still a group of society that says, well, don't you want to slow down? Don't you want to live in a retirement village? Don't you want to, you know, mm-hmm. don't you want to do all these fun things? Right. And for many of us, um, either we haven't had time to think about those fun things, or maybe we don't have the funds to do them. Mm-hmm. And so now we start thinking, oh, my life, what have I done with it? Exactly. And one of the things my husband and I have looked at is that, um, work for us just keeps us going. Okay. Mm -hmm. Neither one of us are really working full-time. Although I think if you looked at our calendars, you'd say, Karen, tell me the truth, but (laughs) um, we are doing things that we enjoy Yes, and we mix that into our social life. And nobody's going to tell me at the age of 72 that I can't do a podcast, that I can't write a book, that I can't go outside and dance the jig. You know, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. If people want to laugh, let them laugh. Exactly. I think that's sort of what you're hearing from the women that you're working with too, that, hey, don't Mm -hmm. stop me. I've been stopped before. Yes. And I think that's a big waking up that women are doing that we used to look, we used to, like you said earlier, we used to uh, wait for permission to do what we wanted to do. Is it okay if I do this? You know, am I allowed to speak up? Am I allowed to go for my dreams? Am I allowed to step out there and be bold, you know? And then, you know, we get up here and I'm 60, I'll be 69 next month. And we start thinking, you know what? I don't need permission from anybody else. I'm going to do what I want to do. And we were joking with my dad yesterday. We had a family Zoom call and the kid, all the other kids, we're all old now, but we were all, and grandkids were on there and great grands and everybody. And we were asking him like, you know, uh, what do you do with your day, dad? Or when, when did you get up today? And he said, oh, I got up around 12 or one. And somebody was like, what? And I said, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of get that attitude. It's like, 
no, wait, I have spent my whole life trying to please other people and do what other people say I should do or, you know, tone it down, you know, for women, a lot of that happens that tone it down and you shouldn't be assertive or you shouldn't talk about your accomplishments. And so we've been taught this, you know, to be quiet and be subdued and hold back. And now, you know, today's women are not buying that. Even younger women are not buying that anymore. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, in fact, one of the things I'm learning about um, the younger generation and my youngest son is 31. And so a lot of his female friends, um, marriage is not as important to them as right. it was when I was their age. Having children is definitely not as important. Mm -hmm. um, they're looking for the things that fulfill them. And right. um, it's interesting because I have seen some of his friends who right out of college at 22, 23, got great jobs. They've worked them for five, six years, and now they're quitting them, mm -hmm. you know, and I sit back as an adult going, wait a second, you know, I was taught you work that job, yep. then you retire, and then you count your money. Um, <laughs> yes. But when I've talked to some of these younger people, they'll say to me, you know, I just wasn't happy. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that I paid all my bills. I love the fact that I have a bank account. I love the fact that I can invest in something, but I need to invest in me. Yes. And what a difference that <laughs> has happened over the years. So give me an example when somebody contacts you uh, for coaching. Um, mm -hmm. Number one, how do they find you? Mm -hmm. And number two, what is the average person like? So good. Great question. Sorry for the, oh, that's I, think, okay. I think my husband just came home. <laughs> um, they contact me many ways, actually through my website, emerginglifecoaching.com. There's a contact page, uh, email Janelle at emerginglifecoaching.com. I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook group for women. I also have a podcast. Actually, it's been kind of on a break for a while, but uh, they find me through referrals. They find me through networking, me speaking, many, many ways. Uh, and so usually it's women who are, you know, older, 40s, 50s, looking for um, a change, looking for either a change in uh, up-leveling their career if they're in, in a job and they want to stay there, or they want, they're either in business and they're usually two or three years into it and they've been working and trying to put it together themselves and there's so much to it sure but they've kind of gotten stuck and especially around speaking getting their message out there because they're not very confident in their message they're not very confident in articulating it they don't know how to put a message together a talk together they don't know how to get on podcasts and summits and they're afraid to and so I help them with that because that's like oh, my, my joy, you know, and I really believe that your message is your money. You are your message and your message is valuable and your voice needs to be heard. Whatever it is that's driving you, that you're passionate about, that you have the gifts, you know, in you to do, you need to get it out there and you need to let people know what you're doing and your people then can find you. So that's usually the woman that comes to me. You know, and I, I love that comment about um, getting your word out, yes. not being afraid to say, um, 
hey, I'm starting this business and this is what it is. And this is what I want to do with it. And this is how I can help you. Yeah. Um, I know in my first marriage, I started two different businesses. And at first it was like the pat on the back from um, my husband at the time who said, oh, nice job, nice job. And I had people coming out of the woodwork wanting my product. And he was treating me like the little woman. You know? yeah. Oh, you've got this little thing going on. <laughs> and very shortly after I started it, uh, I sort of gave it up because I was looking at it through his eyes. Mm -hmm. um, he was a professional man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was like, okay, I was dabbling in something. And then right before we actually got divorced, I started a business and it really was my passion. And I pursued it for, oh, probably six, seven years. Um, and the only reason I gave it up, I moved to another city and it just started up all over again. It was like, you know, no, mm -hmm. I, I need to do something else. Right. Um, and I've been lucky because in my second marriage, which is 38 plus years, wow. I've had a partner and mm. there's a difference for many of us women of in our age range that um, many of us married for love, but never really got that partner. Exactly. And if you mm -hmm. don't have that partner, sometimes we felt like we didn't have a voice. So for the last 38 years, he's made sure that I've used my voice and I, you know, just love and adore him for that. That's awesome. But for the women out there, or even the yet very young, and even for the men out there, mm -hmm. um, your comment about finding your passion. So what happens to that person who's been walking through life, job after job, or maybe the same job, trying to move up? It feels dull. They don't even know what their passion is because they're working so much. Right, right. That's what I hear a lot. It's like, I don't know what my passion is. I don't even think I have a passion. And I wrote about this in my book. I, my theory, if just looking at my life and also, you know, observing my dad's life, um, it came out, <clears throat> came out of a conversation with him several years ago. We were driving back from Atlanta where my brother had earned this awesome, um, award. And as I watched him earn that, and the, they were talking about what they had done, his team to earn it, I heard passion coming through. And then on the way home, I asked my dad, like, tell me, you know, some of the things you did in life and what, what was your greatest passion in everything that you did? And he started talking about it. And I thought, you know, these passions that we have are underneath kind of like an underground river and it's flowing there throughout our life, but we don't always see it. And it kind of comes up through the things that we're doing. So for me, when I taught school, this passion that I have to see potential in people and draw it out of them and encourage them to be their best, it's always been there, but it has shown up different ways throughout my life. And I think we get the idea that we have one passion and it should show up one way and if we aren't passionate about what we're doing right now, that somehow we've missed it and we've lost our passion or we can't find our passion. So I always tell people, you actually, it's not about finding your passion somewhere. It's actually about looking underneath everything you've ever done and asking yourself, you know, what were the things I've been doing throughout my life that have lit my soul on fire? 
and those times where I feel like I'm in flow and everything's going really well for me? What are the things I was doing in those moments? And begin to kind of make a list of them and look at how they were manifesting and showing up in what you were doing. So your passions have been there all along. And it's not a matter of losing them or having to find them. It's more about, you know, sitting with them and understanding that you've never lost them. They've always been there. And now how, if you're in that place of searching, how can I release my passions now to show up in a new way? And, and, uh, you know, again, coming from that place of what's really going to light me up. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, before I left corporate America, I was working for um, a nonprofit uh, college and um, every student seemed to walk through the door. And the first thing they said they wanted to do was become a nurse. Nursing was their passion. And I'd say, okay, and why do you want to be, you know, besides that, why do you want to be a nurse? I want to help people. Mm -hmm. And I would respond (laughs) with, well, you know, I'm sitting over here on this side of the desk. I help people all day long. And they looked at me and they said, well, no, not that way. Okay. Well, what way? Well, you know, if they're sick, whatever. And I would listen, but it wasn't so much. They really wanted to be a nurse. Okay. They wanted to help people, but they thought that was the only way they could do it. And I cannot tell you how many students I convinced or maybe didn't convince, but led them in the direction of understanding that Nursing wasn't for them. Number one, they didn't want to go to school for four years. They wanted a two-year degree. Nursing wasn't going to do it. Um, They didn't like the sight of blood. Well, then you know what? (laughs) Nursing is not the the Mm -hmm. area for you. And when I would pick it apart that way, not telling them they couldn't do it, but hearing what they felt they didn't want to do, um, Mm -hmm. they would sit there and they'd start smiling and they'd go, oh, you know, I could be a hairstylist. Yes, you could. Or um, I could work in a boutique and help people pick up. And when they would start coming up with all these ideas, it was like, and what do you think that would make you happy today? And Mm. they would look at me and go, nobody's ever asked me that. Yeah. Wow. And I said, yeah, I know. I know growing up, my parents didn't ask me what made me happy, but I kept cheering. I've got to be happy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's that's a concept of I'll be happy when once I get this promotion, once I make this salary, once I get this house, once I get this car, once I get to this age, once I retire, yeah. you know, then I'll be happy. And you can spend your whole life chasing it and never being happy. Exactly. You know, and I love that question. What would make you happy today? Such a great question. Well, and you know. I now do that every once in a while with with my youngest son um, because he sees everything in black and white. And occasionally I just have to say that to him. What would make you happy right this moment? Mm -hmm. And usually it's not the dollars or the perfect job or whatever. It's I just need five minutes to breathe. And then I'll say to Mm. him, go take a break, go breathe. And he'll look at me and he'll go, no, mom, I'm at work. I really can't do that. And I'll say, no, Yeah. take that five minutes. Go hide in the bathroom for five minutes. You know, nobody's going to disturb you. And he'll say, can I really do that? 
Well, yeah. if it's going to make you happy, and when you come out in five minutes, mm. you're a, a happier person, and you can do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. What a difference that makes. What a difference. It reminds me of a conversation I had with one of my nieces yesterday, and she was talking about her job she's been at for eight years. She's 40 now, I think, uh, close to that. And she said, I never have time to be with my son. I'm working 50 hours a week. I'm always stressed out. I have no other life and I, I need to find something different, but I'm worried. I feel this guilt that if I leave my job because they love her there, cause she's such a hard worker. And if I leave them, you know, they're going to be stuck or, you know, I'm going to leave them. And I was like, no, 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 no. You need to do what's going to make you happy and they will find somebody. Don't worry about them. And I, I feel like that stops a lot of women because we do like to please people. I have one, one of my clients went through that recently too. She'd been at her job for many years. She was very specialized in what she did. They depended on her. Nobody else in the area could do what she did. And she was like, oh, but I'm miserable. I don't, I don't like what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not diving into my strengths. I'm doing something that drains me instead of energizes me. And it's affecting my whole life. Like my niece, I'm like, you have one life to live, you know? So don't worry about what others will feel or say or think. Not that you're being selfish. You are, you are taking care of yourself and you are finding what makes you happy. And when you do that, you will show up so much better in your life and in all of your relationships, in your job, your business, your family, with your kids, with your parents, with your spouse. I mean, everywhere you will show up better. And so you're actually giving them a gift. And sometimes having that conversation with the people that you're working with, um, that was one thing that I didn't do at corporate America. I, and I've said this over and over again, I loved my job. I loved my students. I hated the culture. Mm. And I was coming in working 50, 60 hours a week, but I was doing it because I loved my students and what I could do for them. But I was drained because of everything that was going on around me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, trying to explain why did I spend an hour with this student and only 10 minutes with this student? Mm. It'd be like, you know, and it was that constant, like trying to justify everything. Oh yeah. And when I finally left and I wrote a letter saying, I want you to know, I appreciate, you know, the 10 years I spent here, but for anyone else who takes that position, I hope they understand that working the 50, 60 hours would have been perfect for me if the culture had been different. If I wasn't asked every five minutes, who are you seeing now? Why are you seeing them? And, mm, yeah. But the, I didn't think my voice would be heard. Interestingly enough, all of a sudden, people started quitting their jobs. Wow. Because they were feeling the exact same way too. And I was getting messages from some of my coworkers saying, Karen, thank you for taking the big leap. And it was like, you know, I wasn't really planning on it, but I did it. Um, and sometimes when we take that leap, um, you know, we have to look back and go, you know what? It really is for the best. Even though there were days that I thought, you know, 
I liked my title. I liked the money I was getting. I liked my office. Those were things. Right. And that was the difference for me. Yes. Yes. Well, good for you that you did that. <laughs> Take the leap. So yeah. as a coach, if I were to come to you and tell you that, you know, um, I love my job, but I hate everything else around it. Mm -hmm. I know you don't tell me what to do, right? but how do you start to guide me? What are some of the things you do? So if I, if you came to me with that, I would probably ask you, let's, let's explore what you really love about your job. Make a list. Let's explore what you don't like and dive into, you know, what, what is it about the culture that you don't like? And, you know, really get a clear picture of the effect your job is having on your life and on the, on the rest of your life. Like, how does it affect your energy? How does it affect your relationships? How are you feeling as far as satisfaction and happiness and be, being fulfilled and really kind of just bring all of that out for you to see it and then ask you, what do you want to do with this? And then we could go from there, you know, and just kind of explore. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that book. Because, oh, my oh book. I think many yeah. of us could probably use the information in there. <laughs> yes, I want to show it to you. Take center stage, be the star of your own story. This book tells my story. I have a personal story of transformation uh, as a trauma survivor from my 20s, where I kept it all silent for many years. It was several things that happened to me. I kept it silent. I didn't talk about it. I was ashamed. And I didn't think that my distant past was affecting me. And when I got in my fifties and started to feel that waking up that we were talking about, I realized in that process that something was actually had been holding me back and keeping me quiet. And as I dove more into it, I realized it was this past that I really needed to go back and process through it. So as I processed through it and began to open things up and look at what had happened and change my whole perspective, like how I looked at my younger self, because then I began to see the truth that I was actually a trauma victim and I wasn't this horrible person that let these things happen to me. And that changed everything. And as I began to let go of the shame of my past and began to just embrace my whole self, my younger self and me, I began to emerge as this confident person. I began to speak up in places I never spoke up before. And I began to take action and go for things. And so this became this process I call the star process. So in my book, I outline that. I even put in some of my journals. Every chapter starts with a journal entry because I've been journaling for 30 years. And as I went back through my journals, I saw this history of my life and things that I had, how I had grown and things that I had, you know, I pray a lot, you know, God speaks to me. So things he had spoken to me 30 years ago were coming to pass. And I was just like, wow. So it tells my story, but it's not just my story. It's a self-transformation journey for women who want to really like spread their wings and fly and let go of the shame stories and those imposter looping thoughts that keep them back and understand themselves and really get to know who they truly are and then step out there and go for it. Take center stage, be the star of your own story. And it has a workbook with it too. So, and you know, to me, I'm, I'm, I look forward to reading your book as I, as I read so many uh, coaching books, because 
when we share our story, it's uncanny how we find all these commonalities. Yes. Um, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday and um, he comes from a totally different lifestyle, different part of the country. And halfway through the podcast, it was like, you have felt and gone through things that I've gone through. And we sometimes think that can't be possible, but the reality of it is, you know, we are all so much alike and we what are. we all want is the same thing. We all yes. want to be appreciated and loved. Yes. And, you know, we don't want somebody just to say, oh, you're a good person and pat you on the back and walk away from you. Right. We want them to stand there and be by our side. Yes. And, um, when, when I realize as I talk to so many of you that we don't have to be alone. That's we, right. But we have to unsilence that thing that is stuck in our throat. Yes. Um, and yes. I'm, I'm so glad that I've done it and so glad that you have and put it in book form so any of us can read it. So where yeah. can we find it? It's on Amazon. It's also uh, Barnes and Noble and um, Goodreads and just about any place where you can buy a book digitally. The workbook is also something you can purchase in paper form, but if you buy the book inside the book, there's a QR code, you can scan it and download an uh, electronic digital version of the workbook for free. So I'm really excited about it. I've had so many women writing to me uh, after reading the book and telling me what an impact it's making and that it just resonates with them and they're, they're sharing their story with me and thanking me for giving them a process they can actually go through to, you know, find their freedom and find themselves. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah. And again, this is not just for women because there yeah. are like many men out there who yeah. have held back. Um, you know, as I look at, you know, my two sons and my husband, um, you know, they've all been, um, they've all moved forward in their careers. But at the same time, um, I can hear little things in their voices that, you know, this isn't really what I want to do and mm-hmm. I need to make a change. And I'm blessed that my oldest son is finally looking at his life and going, you know what, I've done this for X amount of years and now it's time to think about moving on. Um, yeah. And he's going through the process. And my younger son is doing that as well. Um my husband's a little slower in the uptake um, <laughs> because he keeps saying, oh, what happens if? And my comment oh, yeah. to him is, you know, we've already seen that with me. Um, exactly. You know, That's things true. might change, but you know what? Things yeah. can change for the good. Yeah. And I have to say, definitely men are getting a lot out of my book too. It's speaking to women because my story really relates a lot to being a woman because I was taken advantage of because I was a woman, but the concepts and the process is good for anyone. Um, my dad, my dad read it and my, my husband's read it. So it speaks really to anyone. And uh, so I want to just say that if you read it and you're a, a man and you're like, why is she talking to women? Just change that to man. It'll be <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm sorry. We didn't get to see the dog. Uh, what kind of dog yeah. do you have? Well, I have a little toy poodle. 
She's the one that stays down here with me and is usually quiet. And then we have a terrier mix and he's the loud mouth. Okay. <laughs> um, usually I shut the door upstairs because he barks at everything. And I forgot to do that. But uh, you know, when he barks, she'll bark. You I, know, how it is. I, I think it's great when we hear dogs or children in the background or grandchildren, because I think our audience can relate a little bit better to us that, oh yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, I did a podcast oh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, she had a granddaughter with her and her granddaughter had been taking a nap in the crib Aww. and never climbed out of the crib Aww. and had climbed out of the crib and found grandma sitting at her desk and is climbing on her lap and she's looking like, what is going on here? <laughs> and you know what? It's, wow. it's life. And yes. the best part of it makes us real. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, Janelle, I want to thank you for being with us today. We're going to put all the information of how anyone can reach you, your book, uh, how they can purchase it in our show notes, because awesome. I know sometimes we talk a little bit too fast and they miss out. So read the show notes and uh, follow up with Janelle. Thank, thank you so much for you. having me, Karen. I've enjoyed this conversation. Very good. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye right. now. Bye-bye.